Praise the Lord. Good morning. Amen. The scripture said, I was glad when they sent unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Do we have a few glad folks today? Come on. How many know we, we literally have the, uh, the greatest message the world will ever hear? Come on. Amen? Amen. I, I want to take a moment. I'm, I'm very, very excited to get into uh, this, share, the, share a gospel message with you today um, and share what we really believe with all of our heart, and we have data to prove it, is the greatest evangelism engine for the local church and to reach America. But before I do, how many know we're not better for what we've heard, but we're better for what we do? How, how many know faith without works is dead? Everybody with me? Right? I, I can hear a message on forgiveness forever, but until I go and connect with someone and ask them to forgive me, I don't experience what the Word says I should experience. Is everybody with me? Amen? And, and so it's not about hearing, but it's about doing. The scripture says... and. In uh, Scripture says in Romans to give honor where honor is due. And one of the things, Pastor Josh, uh, one, of the, one of the things that is an emphasis for his life is honor. How, how many know uh, you, as, you are learning to have a culture of honor in this house? Come on, is there somebody that knows about that, right? right? We, know, we understand that, well, that, that, want, that honor, it, it talks about um, a, a, a weighty presence. It, it literally, I like the definition that says this, it is a value by which the price has already been determined. Right? So the price that was paid for you and I has already been determined by Christ and his death. Come on, he didn't send Gabriel. He didn't send Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life who's still working to get his wings. Come on, come on. He sent his son, and he established the value for human life. Come on. Amen. And, and that's R. Now, 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 so our salvation is very precious. But in Ephesians 4, it says, He, Christ, led captivity captive, and he gave, he gave, it's okay to preach with me, okay? He gave gifts to men, Right? And then he goes into describing those, those gifts, the ascension gifts, fivefold ministry gifts, many other terms for it. But he says apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, right? Is that what it says? And he says that they are gifts. And their job is described just shortly thereafter. It says they are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Some of you are kind of like, work? Wait a minute, I came here to hear a good word, right? How many know we have this gift of pastor to Christ's point? Pausing for a moment. Come on. Because, see, we understand, we understand the value of our salvation costs the very blood of Christ, but we often don't associate it took the blood of Christ to give us the gift of pastor at Christ's point. Let me describe it in a different way. Give me a moment, and we're going to get into this. I just, I love to share this. How many have pictures that your children or grandchildren drew for you on your refrigerator or somewhere in your house? How many would know that if you took those pictures to Goodwill, they would thank you and give them back, or be very nice to you and wait till you leave, and they would throw them in the garbage? 
because goodwill doesn't see the intrinsic value because they don't understand the source. Because we understand, I've got some too, and, and I would you know, go toe-to-toe -to -toe with you and tell you I've got the best grandchildren in the universe. And you would probably go toe-to-toe -to -toe with right? Come on, right? And I, we, could, we could swap pictures and they wouldn't mean nothing, but those pictures are very valuable to you because the value has been attached. Come on, right? And the honor has been attached. And, and so I, wanna, I just want to drive home a message today because the Scripture doesn't just say honor for pastors. The scripture says one place in the New Testament, one place in the Old Testament, give double honor to those that labor in the word and doctrine. Would you just take a moment and say thank you to Pastor Josh for all he does constantly for Christ's sake. We love you, man. Now, I, I think that's very, very, very important. If, you get, if you're here more than two services, you'll probably know um, Pastor Josh is flawed. He is not perfect. And that's really, really good news because that means we get to attend. People that don't understand the value attack the flaw rather than honor the mantle. We need to be those that cover and stand with the leader. Come on. I can, I can already tell you one of his flaws. He is way too organized for me. And, and being the man that I am, that's a flaw, okay? Uh, but I can still love him through that, and he can love me in, in some of my chaos. And isn't that the beauty of the body of Christ? So, so thank you for the way you care for your pastor. That's just a freebie. That's just my heart for pastors all across this nation. And uh, if I lived in the four-state area, this, is, this would be my church. And I'd serve this man. I want you to know that. So, that being said, my name is Dwayne. I am from Washington, the state, not the chaos. Okay, I live in Olympia, Washington, and uh, it is a joy to be with you today and share. It. You have your very own book. You have a book that has been published for Christ Point. Come on, all right? Isn't that cool? And, 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 and hopefully, come on, hopefully you've read it. I mean, anybody read at least a story or two out of your book? And, uh, okay, so how many of you say, man, it got to me? It kind of messed with me a little bit? Anybody? Anybody cry when you read the book? Okay, I'm reading some of the stories on the plane, okay? And, uh, and I'm, and I'm uh, and coming in, you know, a couple days ago, and, I, and I'm reading this, and I'm like, I'm hoping nobody's looking, because I'm over there reading a book, and I'm crying, man. I'm just, and I don't even know your storytellers, but it blows my mind. This is an amazing, absolutely amazing book. If you haven't got your free copy. We've got a table for you outside afterwards. But today we're going to talk about the, the, the purpose of this book, all right? And uh, before I dive too far in, I want to say thanks to all six storytellers. I want to say to you in the room, if you're here today, or if you're listening to this that's being recorded, I want to say thanks to you for the courage to put your story out as a gospel message to bring hope to the hopeless and light to those that live in darkness. Amen. What a powerful thing you have done. And I know that's not easy. My wife told her story in our book, and uh, it was not an easy story to tell. We had to walk away from the interview multiple times. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, that story changed our community and changed the relationship between our church and our city. And so we're very, very excited for you to be able to have that. Amen? 
So we are, we are doing this all over the nation. In fact, uh, this month there will be about 17,000 books will be mailed into homes all over this nation. Uh, by uh, in the next 60 days, it'll go up to about 18,000. And we have a mandate in our heart to put a book in every home in America. And so we're very, very excited about this opportunity. So today is not so much a message to you. Today is much more of a message to the city. And I want to, uh, how many know there's a lot of people in the four-state area that need Jesus? I mean, as you look around you, okay, and the church is filling up and God is doing a great work, um, all these seats could be filled. The balcony could be filled. Come on. And we could need another service with the people we know that need Jesus. Are you with me? Come on. Amen. And so the fact that I'm saved isn't enough. We need to make it hard to go to hell from the heart four state area. Come on. Is everybody with me? So Jesus said this. He said, go into all the world and tell them they're going to hell. No, he said, do what? Go tell them the, come on, the good news, okay, the gospel to all creation, Mark 16. Would you agree with me today that uh, as the Church of America is failing at that generally, would you, would you say we aren't doing evangelism very well, right? You, you will measure it. It doesn't matter which tribe, which denomination, which group, which network. Most would say the number one place they're failing in the local church is evangelism, and swapping saints doesn't increase the kingdom. Come on, are you with me? Now, now you may have come here from another church, and that's not a condemnation at all. You may have, you may have transferred into a place of life, uh, just hopefully you didn't transfer because of a conflict you didn't resolve, so you don't bring it with you. Is somebody with me, right? Come on, right? That's important. But we're, we're, re- we're out to reach unchurched people. We're out to touch uh, what we call in the Northwest the God-hater, because I live in a very liberal area, and we're, we're out to get the God-hater. We're out to reach the one that has all the defenses against the gospel. Are you with me? And so we look at this. So the average Christian often feels intimidated. I know I'm supposed to tell people about Jesus. In fact, I grew up in church, all right? Uh, I, I tell people I, I grew up with a problem with drugs. Um, my mom drugged me to church four times a week, you know? And so that, that was my issue. Uh, I was in church all the time. I, was, I had lots of church, but I grew up most of the time feeling like I was subpar as an evangelist. I always knew I was supposed to do something, but I felt very, very intimidated. Or the, or the idea is today, they're theologically confused. So many people are saying the Bible is antiquated. The Bible is out of date. Uh, why does God hate the homosexual? Well, you and I know he doesn't. Are you with me today? But, but people get theologically confused. Are you with me? That's, and that, So that's where we are. Or they inarticulate. Maybe you're among those that when you walk away from that person, you think of all the things you could have said. Do we have a few friends in the house, right? I think of all the things that I could have said. And so, but let's think about it. From the unchurched person and how they feel. From the unchurched person, they often feel judged. Now, it's not that we're judging them, but when we start talking to them about heaven or hell, come on, the, 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 the God of this world begins to heap judgment and condemnation. So they often feel judged. So you're telling me I've done something wrong. See, so my job isn't to tell them, hey, you need to accept Jesus so you can go to heaven. Come on. All of a sudden, they're feeling judged. Often, Okay. We put them in a socially awkward position. Everybody knows it doesn't matter where I'm at in the country. There's two things we don't talk about. Politics, and man, did we blow that one out this last year. Okay, come on. Uh, Everybody was talking about that election. God help us. Okay, Um, but about politics and what? Religion. Somehow we've said that's socially unacceptable. In our culture across America, that's socially unacceptable. Let's just be calm. All roads lead to heaven. Isn't Isn't that what they're trying to do? 
But how, we all know that you got to accept Jesus. There's only one way to get into heaven, and that's through the blood. Come on, the spotless Lamb of God. That's the only way we're going to get there. That's what we need to convey. So there's a message in us that is the most powerful message in all eternity that needs to get to the unchurched person. Or they may feel like our message is irrelevant. I said earlier, it's an antiquated gospel. You believe in that you know, that archaic thing called Christianity, well, we realize it's becoming more relevant today than ever before, right? And so we need to look at something. So let's talk about that. We need a tool. Now, this is a tool. Please understand that. This is a tool. Now, uh, there was a number of years uh, to do ministry. I I worked in the woods um, running a chainsaw cutting cedar, uh, cutting cedar logs. And I I ran this steel chainsaw with a 36-inch bar on it. And it was a tool, and it was a tool that would do a job. But, I mean, look around you right now. How many of you think you're sitting next to somebody that if we gave them that tool I just described, it could be dangerous? Come on, right? So how many know you need not just the tool, but you need the technique? So the tool plus the technique is Ephesians 4, equipping. That's what equips us. Here's the tool, and I'm going to talk about the technique. How do we take this powerful, it's really a, gospel messages, six wonderful gospel, good news messages, and get them into the city. What if we could create an evangelism engine? And this is really what we're talking about. We're not talking about an event. Today is not a just a book launch event. This is the launch of an engine. So if you think about it like this, when you start your car, you started your car probably, or rode with somebody to get here, you got that thing fired up, it Everything is set in order, and that engine just runs. As long as it's got the air and the fuel and all the electronics are in order, that thing just runs. You don't have to coach it. Come on. You you don't have to talk to it. In fact, I'll tell on uh, the CEO of our company. His name's Darren. Uh, Last year, he he decided to go on a hike. He's not here. This is being recorded. If he hears it, I'll deny it. But in any event, um, and and he decides to go on a hike, so he he parks his truck, his his fairly new Toyota pickup, at at the trailhead, and he goes on a hike. He's gone for like three hours, and when he comes back, his truck is still sitting there locked and running. Because that engine just does what that engine was designed. He didn't have to even be there. The engine just runs. Come on. It cost him a window. He had to bust a window up to get in. But, hey, you know, that's the way it goes. But that engine is designed to run. That's what this is designed to do. We get stories every week of what's happening from the books that are dropping into homes. This thing runs 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It doesn't, people don't feel judged. They feel like this gospel is relevant and they feel loved and valued and accepted. That's exactly what takes place. I want you to hear a story of a young lady named Emily. This is her personal story uh, about how the book transformed her life. I just met this young lady, and I don't even know your name. I'm Emily. This is Emily. So what book did you read? I read Beautifully Wrecked. So tell me about that. How did you get it? I started spending time with a friend, and she wanted to bring Jesus into my life, and I completely rejected, and respectfully, of course, and she said that her daughter had been reading a book, and was saying how awesome the book was and how amazing these people, how their lives were just so beautifully wrecked and how they came to know Jesus and how their lives were drastically changed. And I read one testimony and put it away for a couple of weeks and then one night I decided to open the book back up and I read the entire rest of the book that night. 
and I couldn't get enough of it. And those stories, the testimonies inspired me that after having such a wrecked life, that my life could become beautiful with the love of Jesus. I was baptized on January 13th, and I am so happy to say that I have six months clean and sober, and I can't get enough of Jesus. Come on. Isn't that powerful? We get these stories every week, but, but this particular story is very, very significant. Because I, I want you to hear Emily. Emily, prior to coming to Christ, was a, a meth addict and uh, a stripper, a pole dancer in a nightclub. And so when her friend tried to introduce Jesus to her, she respectfully rejected the invitation. Are you with me? But the friend chose the tool and the technique and put a book in her hand. Notice that Emily started reading the book. It was totally in her control. Ever notice when, when we make significant decisions, we take time? I mean, anybody quick to um, answer a telemarketer and sign up for everything they want on the phone? No, we're not, right? Because we want to take time to think about it. And so Emily had the power of testimonies from the book, Beautifully Wrecked. She began reading, put it away. A couple of weeks later, she decided. She made the decision to open the book again, begin to read every story, and give her life to Jesus Christ. What the direct approach, I want to help you know Jesus, didn't happen. The stories of how Jesus transformed you know, other lives in the book began to change Emily's life, but it was her decision. Come on. Do you get it? It's, she makes the decision on her time, in her way. Come on. It is powerful. So you hear six months. No, it's, uh, it's over three years now. Emily is clean and sober. She's one of the guests in her local church that greets people as a greeter. Come on. And she's the number one evangelist in their church. So you can imagine that. Here's another one from one of our churches in the Delta area in, uh, in California. And it was on launch Sunday. It was on like, it was today for them. Well, our son got involved with drugs and alcohol and has become addicted to all kinds of things and we've actually been sharing with our banker. They brought over a book for us to read, Hidden in the Shadows, and um, in less than 48 hours four people have read the book and Jesus. And uh, our son who has been raised in church, lost hope, lost everything, and read the book and said it's the first time in a long time that he had hope for his future. It's awesome. Amen. And so what's he planning on doing? He starts Dream Center on the 8th. Come on. Amen. So, so the power, the absolute power of that, um, this particular man was sharing with his banker, our, our son is an addict and we don't know what to do, he gave him a book. Four people read the book in 48 hours and their son came out of drugs and got into uh, the Dream Center and uh, began to go through the program. So that's the kind of things that can happen. So let's talk a little bit. Let's look at Matthew chapter 13, scripture. And it says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field and when a man found it, he hid it again, then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Have you ever heard that scripture preached before? Probably have, right? I grew up hearing it, but here's how I grew up hearing it. So I, I grew up hearing the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. That king, that, that treasure is Jesus, 
And when the man, Dwayne, found it, I realized the, the prize that Jesus was. Junior high school, for me, when, when it really began to transform my life, even though I was attending church, something began to happen, right? And I began to realize Jesus is what the pastor's preaching, man. is like he was preaching to me alone. And, and so I gave my life completely to Christ. So when I read this, I'd say, Christ was the treasure hidden in a field. I found him. I gave up everything I had and bought the field. That's the way I was raised. I don't know about you, but that's the way I was raised to understand this scripture. But then I got, we got to looking at this, the kingdom, the kingdom, the, the king's domain. And let's talk about the kingdom. The kingdom, of, the kingdom of heaven is not just in heaven. The scripture tells us here. It says, don't look here or don't look there, nor will people say he's, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is where? Come on, where, the, it's not out there, the kingdom is where? Come on, the kingdom is within us. I'm not trying to find the kingdom, now, well, I can preach right here. I'm not trying to, I'm trying to release the kingdom. Come on, how many know there's a night and day difference? I'm not, I'm not trying to find the kingdom, I'm trying to release the kingdom from the inside of me because he is in me, right? John chapter 7, out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water, right? Because not all about me, it's about what God has given me that I might reach other people. So you begin to look at this, and we begin to realize the kingdom, the kingdom that's in me is a treasure. And when a man found it, he hid it again, then in his joy sold all he had and bought the field. Wait a minute. So I'm the treasure that was hidden in the field. And he who knew no sin sold out all he had and came to earth to redeem me out of that field hidden in earth. Come on. All of a sudden, I began to see something that was like, Wow. You see, because it doesn't matter, let's use Emily. It doesn't matter what Emily was doing, she was still valuable. Think this morning of the people, because of Saturday's behaviors, are feeling ashamed, are feeling like, you know, I, I don't want to ever do this again, or even contemplating uh, you know, taking their life today in the four-state area that need to know, no matter how much of earth, no matter how much of sin, no matter how much stuff has them buried, they are valuable in the kingdom of God. And they need to know that he who knew no sin became sin for you and I so that they might redeem the kingdom that's in there. Isn't that powerful? It's just all of a sudden we begin to see this. He bought the field. He bought that thing. He redeemed. He was the restorer of the breach between heaven and earth. His name is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen? And so there's many more people like that. You can think of them today. You can think about people that should be sitting in here today. And that's what this is about. As powerful as this book is for us, it's not for us. Okay, let me explain. got real quiet all of a sudden, didn't it? It gets quiet in a Pentecostal church. We get nervous. All right, so... It's not really for us. The power of testimony. You've sat in church and wept when you heard testimony. That testimony isn't for us. The power of that testimony, now we get to be recipients, but the power of that testimony is in the heart and life of the unbeliever, in the heart and life of the unchurched person. And there's many more of them around. So let's talk about what we build. Been doing this, like I said, for almost 13 years. Uh, we've been doing, we've been launching books. In fact, we're launching three books today in three different states. And books are being launched and going into cities. And that's so exciting. 
And so we've learned a lot, and we're always getting better. Cover art. I, honestly, Pastor Josh, I'm a little bit slow. It took me until later last night to realize color scheme. That's what you were after. I see the total Christ point color scheme, and I was just a little bit slow. And I went, wow, okay, got it. Powerful. There's not a picture of your beautiful building on here. There's not a picture of your handsome pastor on here. Now, come on. Everybody's laughing at him. Come on, come on, are you with me? There's not our American version of who Jesus looks like. It's not a picture of a cross. Because the unchurched person picks it up as being religious or from your church, they're going to drop it like a hot potato. There's nothing on here that says this is from the church. You have a title and you have a subtitle. Undeniable. Stories of hope from the four-state area. The subtitle is very important. Think for a moment. You open the USA Today and you begin. You want to read the newspaper and you see a bunch of articles there, but you see one that is from your area. Which article are you going to read first? It's the one from your area because it matters the most. It's from your region. It's important. Whoa, I got a book. We'll talk more about that in the mail. And it's from my area. So you have the cover art, very strategic. The title and the subtitle, very strategic. The thickness is vitally important. It is thick enough to be legitimate. It is not a flyer. And it's thin enough to be unintimidating. Anybody remember in grade school when you read a book for a book report based on how thick it was? Come on. Come on. I mean, I, I got nervous just being in Pastor Josh's office. He has way too many thick books in his office. Come on. But this gets read over and over. When we launched our book in our local church, we had two parents, two sets of parents come to us later and say, our teenage daughters who don't like to read went home and read the entire book that day. Did not get up until they closed the final page, read all the stories, six or seven stories, every one of them, and were powerfully touched. This is designed to get read, and it gets read over and over. Uh, last year, we had a Starbucks mail one back to us because it had been read so much in the Starbucks, the binding was coming apart, and they asked for another copy. Come on, that's evangelism. That's powerful. We were like, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. So you have six stories in here. The Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. You cannot rationally discount six stories. You have six people saying, this is my life. This was where I was. This was the wreck I was. This is what Christ did in my life. And you have on the back a $14.95 price tag. Now, nobody pays that price, but it establishes value. URL code, everything's there, right? Um, uh, excuse me, the IBC code, all of it's there. And, and they have, they see value. I, I try never to travel without these books, and I try to be spiritually alert and aware. God, who do you want me to give a book to and where? And they're blown away. Oftentimes, they'll look at that, and they say, you're giving this to me? And they'll look at the back, and they say, what do I owe you? And I'll say nothing. My, you, you know, your gift to me is read it and then pass it on. And so we're evangelizing wherever we go. Your book is strategically designed in that Jesus isn't even, isn't even mentioned until I think it's page 20 or 21. You know why? We establish the crisis, and then we give the answer. Because if you don't establish a crisis and you just try to give an answer that nobody's looking for, it becomes annoying. But when you, come on, when, but when you establish the crisis, then you bring the answer. And Jesus is the answer. I think it's page 21. And then from there on, you begin to, you're captured now and you're reading over and over all these powerful stories. Come on. 
So let's say the average church of 300 might do 300 hours uh, per month of, evan- of outreach or evangelism. Now, that's saying that each one of us, each one of us would have one hour of meaningful dialogue with an unchurched person. The room just got quiet. Okay, so if we did that, we would do about 300 hours of evangelism. Because if I were to say, how many want to reach the four-state area for Jesus? I mean, come on. How, how many want to have problems, like seating problems and parking problems? I mean, you know, right? That's what we want to have. You know, how many would love to have to decide which service to, to attend? Right? Some of you would. Some of you are like, no, I'm pretty comfortable. But how, how, how many know the reality of that is 300 hours. So if, we, if we're reaching people, if we're doing that, we, we get about 300. Now, one book equals about 15 hours to read, 14 to 14, 15, depending on your reading you know, speed. Okay? So if, if we sponsored 300 books today, we just went from 300 hours per month of evangelism to 4,500 hours of evangelism in the four-state area. Wow. I, I could do that. What do you think? So let me, you say, well, how do you, what are you talking about? How do you do it? Well, here's how. Direct mail. So here's what happens. We buy the zip codes in the four-state area. Okay? Uh, Great Commission Project, Good, good Catch Publishing. Uh, we, we do that. That's what we do. And then this is how this thing works. So let me show you what this works. You, you get it, did you get a book in a clear cover in the last couple of weeks? A single-pack book with a clear cover? On the back it said, congratulations, you know, this is the, a pre-launch copy. It's yours to enjoy. Okay. It'll, a book like that will be mailed to the homes in the zip code. Be a clear cover, and on the back, it'll say something like, um, congratulations, you have been randomly selected to receive this free complimentary copy of this book. You didn't do anything. Now, here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to let them know you didn't accidentally click on some book of the month club somewhere on the internet. Come on, are you with me? You want to relieve that, free book, complimentary. They go, wow, and this book shows up. So this is what happens. The first month, a book shows up. And you, can you imagine with me, a guy goes out to the mailbox and he, whoa, you know, it wasn't some flyer, it wasn't the junk mail of normal, this is a book. And he realized, oh, complimentary, this is a free book to me. We were taught in grade school, never throw a book away, give them to somebody, but never throw it away. So he goes and he looks at that and he says, oh, that's, that's interesting, he takes it, oh, it's from my area. And, and it piques his interest, but he's busy, he's got a lot of stuff going on, takes it, throws it on a coffee table, right? And he doesn't read it at the moment. That's oftentimes what happens, but he's got a book in the mail, not throwing it away. Okay, so the next month, a postcard shows up. This postcard simply has the same cover art. Look at it. It looks, has your book on it. It says, read the book, meet the people. And he gets this postcard in the mail. He goes, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, I got that book in the mail. Man, I, I need to take a look at that book. I, that's, that, that's interesting. And, and so, but he doesn't yet. But the next month, a postcard shows up. And so, oh, yeah, I've been really busy. A whole month's gone by, but that book. i got to get a hold of that book. And then maybe there's a crisis in his life. Maybe it's just a moment that he sets down. Maybe he's a bathroom reader. Come on. He grabs that book and he starts reading. And all of a sudden he's like, oh my Lord. Because how many know people that don't attend this church have an idea of what goes on inside the walls? Come on. And the devil uses one ditch or the other. Oh, they're just a bunch of self-righteous people. Come on. Or if I entered that building, the roof would cave in. Come on, are you with me? It's usually one ditch or the other, and they're like, oh, my Lord. Oh, oh. And, and they're, oh, I got a friend that's went through this. Or maybe they are going through the same thing. And all of a sudden, they enter the story, and, and they're there. And they're like, I didn't know a church like this existed in the four-state area. I didn't know a church like They will let 
people that have been messed up like this attend? Maybe there's a chance that I could go too. Come on. I love that. And then, so, he gets excited about it, and then next month, another postcard shows up. Now, this postcard, after he's, the book has touched him, does something totally different. Totally different. You ever read a book that changed your life? And then when you see the cover again, what happens? Uh, Pastor Josh and I were talking about a book yesterday as, as we were coming over to the church that had been something that had impacted me and impacted him. And sure enough, when I got in the office, it didn't take me a moment, and I spotted it in plain view. Uh, now, I don't know why he put it in plain view, but I know when I looked at the cover of that book, what it did inside of me. And I know when I spoke of that book, what it did inside of him. That's what happens here. All of a sudden, this thing grabs him. I go, wow. And so he goes to his wife, and he said, he says, baby, we've got to attend a church like no other church I've ever heard of. I think we can get our life straightened out. We may not end up in divorce. Come on, we can come off addiction. We can get healed from the shame of yesterday. Oh, come on, all of this stuff is happening. Now, now, now get this, because the book becomes the bridge between you and the unchurched person before they ever get here. Think about that for a moment. They don't come seeing if there's an easy place to park, what the foyer's like, who's greeting me, what the temperature's like, what the lighting like, come on, what was the pastor's message like? They come saying there's somebody in this room. They're even distracted during worship because there's somebody in this room that has been through what I've been through. Come on. And there's a relationship between Christ Point and that unchurched person before they ever get there. And it's really easy. They just turn the postcard over and everything they need to know to get the Christ points right there. There's your address. Come on, there's a little map. There's a phone number. There's an email. Everything they need to come to Christ point is there. And all of a sudden, you have guests that are coming to Christ because of the bridge of this tool. Isn't that powerful? Come on. It's powerful, guys. It's very, very, very powerful. Very powerful. And so it looks something like this. In May... 300 books go out. Uh, in June, 300 new books go out, and uh, postcards are mailed in May. Then in July, it happens again, another 300. Now we got, uh, you got um, 900 books on the ground. You have uh, postcards going out second month of May, first, first month to June, and then in August, it happens again, and now we got 900 postcards going out. You have 1,200 homes that have books in just four months. Boom, postcards are going out again to May, to June, and to July. Watch how this just compounds. In September, it happens again, and another 300 books are going out. Now 900 postcards again. Notice we didn't send to May. Uh, we have a four-month target on every home, uh, and that brings real results. But um, at some point, you become a stalker. So we, you know, four months isn't up. You know, we stop, and we touch their lives and let God do the rest, right? And so this thing began to happen month by month by month, and this thing begins to compound. This is the engine, folks. This is the engine. Look at this. Look, in 24 months, in 24 months, that's it, 7,200 homes and 21,600 people will have received nearly 29,000 touches from Christ Point Church. Wow. I've done this so many times, and every time, right about here, I just begin to weep. I begin to realize how do we can get the gospel into cities like never before? You and I can't get behind the door, but this book will get behind the door. Come on. 
show up at the door and knock on the door and you're labeled immediately. And we know what that's about, right? But you get the do- this thing gets behind the door and builds the bridge. That's what can happen. So each month then, we follow up with feedback. Pastor Josh will receive an email with a map showing you exactly where the books went. Now, this is what we call our prayer and progress report. And so this is what happened. So this is an actual report from a church in the Portland area uh, that received, that was sponsoring about 200 books a month. And so the first month happens, boom, you get to see every point shows you a home where a book went. There's month number two. There's month number three, and they're all color-coded so you can tell the difference uh, next month, next month, next month. Look at that. And, and, and here's what you begin to see. You begin to see that your city, your community, your areas are being saturated with the gospel. Now, you can mouse over it. You can open it up. And when you do, take a look at that. When you, you open it up, you can actually see, you can see every home and you can see the addresses. We don't print the names because that would just be weird. But uh, we do give you an address. But how many know if you live in that area, all of a sudden you realize you have a bridge to your community? All of a sudden, you realize, I can be, you know what, Pastor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a prayer drive, or I'm going to do a prayer walk, and, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over there where those books are being dropped, and, 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 and I am going to begin to pray. And I begin to walk down that sidewalk. Come on, how, how many believe in prayer in the house? Come on. How many know that prayer is the secret sauce of the church? Come on, right? Right? And I just start walking. I just start walking down that street. Father God, Jesus, I pray that the glorious gospel that is in our books, that behind the doors of these homes uh, would begin to touch. I pray that you begin to build a bridge between the hope that's in their life to the hope that will be in them in the name of Jesus. Come on. And we begin to pray that prayer that it begins to happen. Uh, One of our churches, um, actually uh, uh, Pastor uh, Eddie Jones down in Rolla, Missouri, they, they use this map and they go around to those communities and they do good works. They just come in. They don't mention that the book was there. They just come and find out what they need in the summer and they begin to do work. They uh, cultivate lawns, do whatever is needed, do mowing, repairs, minor stuff, just sharing the good news. They have found creative ways to touch those homes because the gospel is already in the home. Isn't that powerful? It's just a powerful thing. So it, let, me, let me show you this. So here's what you get every month as a book sponsor. Here's what you'll get. You'll get the book. Not to you, but you'll get it mailed. You'll get it mailed into uh, your cities. You get all the labor that goes into that, which is no small amount of labor. Somebody asked me earlier, how many people work for Good Catch? And we have about 75 people that work for Good Catch doing this. You get the postage, not only uh, for the book that's being mailed, but you get the three postcard follow-up. And then, of course, pastor gets the prayer and progress report that he gets to share with the church on an ongoing basis. That's what happens for book sponsors. So what's it going to take to reach Galena and the four-state area? I think primarily you like to use the four-state area, right? Because some of you are from Missouri, from from Joplin and all around, right? So we we should have said four-state area there. So this is what it looks like. I'll talk to you a little moment about the sponsorship cards that you would have found on your seats. We'll we'll talk about that shortly. But you say, okay, Dwayne, I really believe in what you're sharing with me. I believe this thing can change our city. Good. That's a good conclusion. And you say, I want to be a monthly sponsor. Well, you can start as simple as a book a month. You say simply, you know what? Maybe I'm on a fixed income. I can't do a lot, but I can do something. I can do a book a month. Well, maybe you can do two or three. You will see on the card that you begin to see discounts. You begin to see uh, discounts on that as you begin to hit 5, 10, or 15. Now, now maybe a lot of people are going to say, I'm going to be in this area, but maybe there's some of you here today say, I really believe in this. And God has really blessed me financially so that I can, maybe I'm one of three people that could do 25 books a month. If you will look at this, to hit 300, right here is where most of it takes place. You say, well, I can't do 25, but I can do 10. 
Maybe there's 11 people that can do 10. Maybe there's 15 here that says, I can easily do five, five book a month sponsorship. If, here, here's, here's what we always encourage people. Everybody participate. Do what God tells you to do, not what Dwayne asks you to do. And, and Pastor Josh is going to share the vision with you in a moment. But this is what we could do and begin to send out 300 books a month to the poor state area. I began by saying, hey, this thing is intimidating. Evangelism is intimidating. This isn't intimidating at all. Theologically confused, you can be as confused, I can as I want to be. This book is not theologically confused. Your pastor has approved it. Inarticulate, the book does the talking for us. Come on, easy. Now, from the unchurched person, from feeling judged to being accepted. Wow, I'm better. I, I feel like I have a better life than some of these people, and they let them attend. I can go too. Come on, the roof's not going to cave in. They feel cared for, and they feel like the message is more relevant than ever before. That's the power of what we are doing day in and day out. Come on, week after week, as we are putting books in homes all across America. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news. And folks, this is preaching the good news. It's bringing hope to the hopeless, light to people that live in darkness. So I'm going to ask your pastor, Pastor Josh, and my dear friend, to come. And I, because this whole project began and, and was initiated with his heart to reach the four-state area. But I want him to share his heart with you and his vision for this book. Deviate from my program just a moment. I'll, I'll, let me tell you why this is so important to me. Um, in, in my local church where, where I first pastored, I don't usually do this, so if you'll give me a moment, I'll just kind of tell you our story. Um, if I can, we're going to try. Um, January, January 19th, uh, 1994, uh, my wife and I were district youth directors in the Northwest, and um, that night, I'll never forget, that was the night I, I actually preached at my local church that night. It was a Wednesday night. And um, that night, uh, my mother-in-law was uh, shot and killed in a convenience store robbery. And um, it was, as you can imagine, probably one of the darkest days of our lives. Very, very difficult. Uh, can't even find the words to tell you the difficulty of that day. And uh, having to share that with my two daughters who were 10 and 12, and, uh, and my, uh, uh, my 12-year-old was, um, Grandma was her best friend. And so we had some really, really difficult time to walk through. Two weeks later, we became the pastors of our church. Uh, so it was a whirlwind of stuff that was going on. And we were just trying to get through grief, as you can imagine, and, and get through all of this. And, of course, our city knew the story from the newspaper. They knew all the statistical information, right? But they didn't know the glory in the story. Right? We were walking and trying to get through it. The CEO that I mentioned earlier that locked his keys in his running vehicle, um, he was my evangelist at that time. He came in. We were very good friends. And he came in and he preached a revival, meaning for us. And he laid hands on my daughter who could not reach the sorrow and the depth of sorrow in her. And when he laid hands on her right about here at the front of the church, um, she just fell out of the power, curled up in the fetal position, was gone for about an hour, hour and a half. Um, and during that time, God did a what he can only do, which is a surgical procedure on the heart. Come on. And um, my daughter get, got up with the most beautiful singing voice that she had never had up until that day. Not only did God give her her song back, 
but God launched her, and she and her husband are worship pastors today in the local city, okay, that I pastored in and lived in most of my life. And we needed people to hear that story about how God brought my wife through that kind of pain and got our family through it. And so we chose to put that story as story number seven in our book. And that changed our entire city. They didn't just get to hear about what the cops said and all the legal information, all the stuff that the newspaper printed, which is what they knew. They got to hear the glory of what God can do in one of the most painful moments of your life. It was then and there that I became sold on what this does. And I realized the power of getting this book. Our city was never the change, never the same. It changed our city. Some of the people that didn't know Christ are leaders in our church today there that is growing and doing great things for God because the book was the bridge to take the message to the people. So that's my heart and why I get to do, I'm the most blessed man on the planet. I get to do this. I get to share this with Christ. In a few months I get to hear Pastor Josh call me and say, Pastor Wayne, you're not going to believe. Let me tell you this story. Can you hear those stories already? Can you hear those stories of one after another coming to Christ because of this? So I just want to share that with you.